Oh, man. How are you guys doing? Awesome. All these things. I got all these. You guys get all these things here? I got all. Um, it is the last, our last time in here. Um, just getting myself ready. Some last one of the spring, and then you guys are going to go off and do some summer things. Some of us are going to be at Colorado LT. Some of you will be in here in town. Some of you going back home, wherever home is. We're going to play a game right now, though. Ready? I'm going to play a game. In a minute, I'm going to show you a puzzle. Okay, you're going to see a puzzle? You see a puzzle on the screen. Oh, no, don't look! In a minute! You, they can't see the big board! Ah, there we go. Whew. In a minute, we're going to show you a puzzle. When it appears, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I want you to count all the squares. And we're talking like real squares. You know, I'm not a math guy, so rectangles don't count, you know, but maybe you think, but so real squares. So the real, what kind of squares? The, the real squares. The ones that are squares, not the rectangles. So I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds when, this, when that appears, not yet, and then you're just by yourself, you're going to count all the squares. You ready? All right, show it. Fifteen seconds left. Okay, stop. Take that down. Take that down. What did you guys get? How many squares are there? 21, 40, 36, 15, 48. Okay, 48. Okay, here's what I'm going to do now. I want you guys to pair up with somebody next to you. So just want just two of you now, two of you pair up. I'm going to give you right now, you can talk about a strategy and then I'm going to throw that back up there and we're going to count again. So we've got this, we've got a varying amount of square counting going on. So go ahead and talk about what your plan is. Got to pair up. You don't, who doesn't have a partner? You got to find a partner. You got to find a partner. Just walk around, find a partner. All right, throw it up there. You go ahead and put that up there. All right, go for it. All right, stop. All right, take that down. Okay, now what did you guys get? Was anybody get a different number? 35. Okay, so it's it's peaking up. We got 40 still. 32. Did any pair get more than what you got sing- singularly? Did you count more? All right, great. Here's what I want you to do. Now, the two pairs pair up. Now, there's four of you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. You guys are going to recount again, okay? So lean in together. Lean in together into pairs, into fours.
All right, throw it up there. 30 seconds again. All right, stop. All right, stop. Now, working together in, in that little cluster, now what did you guys come up with? 39, okay. 12. Elena, you're still saying 40. Still saying 40. In, in your groups, did you get more than singular than what you got to get? Did you get more together than what you got on your own? Did you count for most of you? Okay. There are 40 squares up there, okay, just so you know. I, I, don't, I didn't have enough time to put the proof up there for you, okay. It was about 2007, I think it was 2007, I was in Colorado, um, out at LT, I was staffing it, and, um, and before the students get out there, the staff need to go out there, and, and uh, there are about 20 staff out at Colorado, uh, LT, and we do these team building things, so every year we do, you know, um, I've been a part of the same low ropes course, and the same frustration of trying to uh, have everybody put their fingers on a hula hoop, and then and then lower it to the ground, if you've ever been a part of that, the hula hoop just flies upward, you guys may know what I'm talking about, but uh, we got to this one obstacle, and there were these two massive ponderosa pine trees, and there was a log that ran perpendicular about 10 feet high, and it was screwed in. And the object was to take all 20 people there, get over that log 10 feet high, and drop down onto the other side. That summer, we had an intern. His name's Rob Warren. Rob um, played Division One football. He was either a linebacker or a defensive end, one of those guys who's 6'3", 6'4", ish 250 his you know arms were as big as my legs kind of guy one night um at dinner i i was eating in the cafeteria and i said rob like just in a in a on an average day during the season how many calories do you think you consume because i looked at his plate of food and he said i, I don't know um probably about 10,000 <laughs> 10,000 calories I go, well, what, how much do you think you've ever eaten in one sitting? He's like, ah, probably like a pound of spaghetti, a loaf of garlic bread, and a half a sheet cake. Half a sheet cake? Like a sheet cake, half of it. He goes, yeah, I, I consumed half a sheet cake. The plan was we're standing there, right? And the plan was with Rob. Somebody needs to get Rob and his muscle up on top of this thing. And so we're like, Rob, we're just going to put you up there. So Rob got up there, and he's straddling this thing. And then we're helping the rest of them by he's grabbing people and pulling them up, and we're, like, hoisting people, you know, as best we can. And it came down to me and this guy, Chris Swing. Um, Chris Swift. Chris Swift. Yeah, Matt, confusing. Matt Swing and Chris. Okay, so Chris Swift. Chris is about probably three inches shorter than me, and he weighs a little bit less than me. And we're like, Chris, you can jump, right? So he didn't help me up. I went up and I grabbed Rob's hand and somebody else's hand, and they kind of hoisted me up, and then I got up there, and then I came down. And then it was up to Chris to jump up and grab Rob Warren's hand, you know, kind of like clasping it, right? And so were you there, Matt? 
oh my goodness. So Chris jumps and he grabs Rob's arm. And then, and then Rob has his hand. And literally, I've never seen another human being do this. Rob reaches down in a dead lift and he curls a human being, a grown full man, and puts him on top of the, on top of the log. And then we get over. And I think my, all of our jaws were open. I was just like, Rob, you curled a grown man. Like, I have trouble kind of, you know, sometimes getting my pants on and you, you did that. Chris never would have made it over if he didn't have help. Two are better than one. We is always better than, than me. You're going to count more squares when you do it together. In this last section of Colossians, you're going to see three things. I'm going to close out the series. You're going to see three things. The first thing you're going to see is, is diverse individuals, very diverse individuals linking together in an organic whole as they participate in this gospel expansion in various capacities. I know it's a lot, so we're going to see... We're going to see um, Diverse individuals, a, a big group that, you know, that kind of is playing together and doing this thing when they shouldn't be together. There's something else that makes them together. Diverse individuals are linking together into this organic whole as they're participating in this gospel expansion of Jesus being known in various capacities. You're also going to see Paul's acknowledgement, this acknowledgement of human insufficiency and the all-sufficient Christ. Human insufficiency in the face of an all-sufficient God. And lastly, you're going to see this message that Jesus is Lord over all. The, Jesus, the, the message that Jesus is Lord over all is the goal of the team. It's the goal of the church, and it is larger and greater than any individual goal. You're going to see all kinds of people doing all kinds of things for a greater impact. That dependency on one another is a worship, a way to worship an all-sufficient Christ. And you'll notice that God's goal in the world and in the church is greater than anyone's individual goal. So why don't you guys pray with me, and you can open up to Colossians chapter 4 as we close, close this up. Lord, we just thank you, God, that we were created for relationship. God, that you desire a relationship with each one of us that is very real and very purposeful. But God, you don't just redeem us to leave us. You redeem us and you put us in, in, a, in a group, in a, in a covenant community by where we live and we, we grow and we worship and we see you, you move in very powerful ways. So Lord, I'm thankful for this year, God, as we're kind of closing out our year here, looking at Colossians. And I just confess that I, just, I desire, Lord, I desire to see you do so much good in this place and in this church. Lord, I know that you're always working. Even now, would you continue to speak, Lord, today? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to look at this section of Colossians 4. Here we go. This is his final greetings. Paul's in jail, and he's wrapping this up. And he's got some, um, it's like the Academy Awards, I almost feel like. You know, he's got some people he's going to mention. He says this, Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, 
concerning whom you have, if you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they've been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to, and to uh, Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see to it that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. What a message. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Diverse individuals coming together as an organic whole and participating in this gospel expansion with Paul doing various things. You're going to see all kinds of people, right? There's all kinds of people here doing different things for a greater impact. Let's look at these people. Tychicus, he mentions this guy, Tychicus. He says, he's my beloved brother. I think the beloved there is he's talking about Jesus loves Tychicus. He's beloved, but then Paul says, he's my brother. He's my brother in the Lord. He's not really his his blood brother, but he's a brother because God, when God does a work in our lives individually, he always does it in community. He says, my beloved brother, he's, he's proclaiming the gospel. He's with me. He's doing this with me. He calls him a fellow servant or fellow slave. And we talked a couple weeks ago about the idea of slavery in the Bible. Isn't the idea that we understand of slavery in America, it's different. It's more of an indentured servant. But he's following the, the call of all of us to be slaves. He just says, listen, Tychicus, he's a, he's a slave. He's a slave to Jesus. And then he says this is his role. He's coming because he's going to tell the people about how Paul and his other companions are doing. And he's apparently bringing this letter. He's he's kind of a courier. So that was his role. He's bringing this letter to the the church in uh, Colossae there, the Colossians. And and he's also bringing somebody back with him called Onesimus. You'll find Onesimus is an indentured servant. He's a slave. He's mentioned in the book of Philemon. And many people think that Tychicus or someone in their party, but maybe it was him, probably was carrying the letter of Philemon with him to that community. And he was also probably carrying this letter that is lost, that we don't have, that no one's been able to find. Another letter written to the Laodosians, to Laodicea. Tychicus, he mentions Aristarchus. He's a fellow prisoner. Most people don't think he was a literal prisoner with Paul, but that it's metaphorical, that, that he is a prisoner, he's a, he's, a, he's a slave, he's in chains to Jesus. Jesus has a hold and a grip on his life, and he's doing the gospel work with Paul. He's captive just like I am. And either way, we know from the book of Acts that Aristarchus traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey. And, and at the moment of Paul's writing, he's with him right there at that moment. The interesting thing about being in prison in the first century is it's very different than our prison system we have now. Like, if I were to take you, you know, Anna, and throw you into prison, you would starve, you would lose, you would do, you had have nothing done for you unless you had friends that were coming and willing to help you. 
give you food and tell you. So, so Paul's in prison. He's under house arrest. And, and, it's, and it's up to Paul's friends to come and check in on him. Otherwise, he's going to die and give him food and, and, and give him clothing and, and do all these things. And so, and so probably Aristarchus was a guy who was really helping Paul, comforting him and bringing him food so that he could, so that he could survive. And then we have another guy he mentions, Mark. This is most likely John Mark. He's the cousin of Barnabas who was there during Paul's first missionary journey. The same Mark who wrote the gospel according to Mark. And the thing about Mark is Mark early on in his life, he was a young man. He deserted Paul. Deserted him. Paul had picked him out and said, come and, you know, travel with me. He deserted him. And it led to this, um, this huge disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas said, no, I want Mark. And Paul's like, no, I don't want Mark. And they actually split over this, whether or not to include John Mark in the travels. But apparently, they've reconciled. And now John Mark, Mark is there with them, and he's, and, he's, and he's helping him. He's helping him. And then Jesus, who's called Justice. There's another person Paul's mentioned. Paul's not doing this on his own. Jesus named Justice. Jesus was a very common name. It's the name in uh, Greek for the English name Joshua. So, so Joshua, Peter's Joshua, right? Joshua, Joshua. And it, what does it mean? What does your name mean? What, is your, what does Joshua mean? Do you guys know? Salvation of the Lord. Yeshua. Joshua, Jesus. So, so because it's a common name, they're like, not that Jesus, but justice. So they call them justice. And Paul says, these are the Jewish believers that are with me. These are the Jewish believers that are with me, helping me, providing for me, preaching Christ with me. And they're linked together. These people are part of the gospel expansion, the gospel proclamation that Jesus is Lord over all. But wait, there's more. He mentions this guy, Epaphras. He's the one who we know actually proclaimed the first one to bring the gospel to the church, to the Colossians, to the, to the, uh, the city of Colossae. He's the founder. Epaphras is the founder of the local church there. And now he's with Paul, assisting him. What does he say about Epaphras? That he's praying like crazy. He's, he's praying like crazy for, for his friends and for his people and, and probably even for his family because that's the city he grew up in. So maybe his family's there. That they would what? They would be mature. So he's, Paul says, calls him, he's a servant of, of Christ. He's a worker who's always, always struggling. And the verb there is toiling. Hard, difficult labor. He's agonizing in his prayers over them. Epaphras. Then we got Luke. He's a physician. Luke is an eyewitness to most of the early church. He traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. Luke wrote the gospel according to Luke, and then also the book of Acts, which if you kind of count up the words and the pages, is more than what Paul wrote. This significant tr- contributor um, to, to, the, to the New Testament. This guy, he's the dude. He's, he's the guy. And he's with Paul, and Paul's in prison. And next we have Demas. Poor, poor Demas. You don't see it here, but Demas deserts Paul later on. He says, Demas has walked away from me in love with the world. And when I read that, I go, oh, I just remember just saying, Lord, I don't want to walk away from you. And, and I just thought, what is Demas in love with? I just think about the world in the first century. Do they have like designer sandals? You know, like, oh man, you got, 
Cleopas sandals? Man, I want, I gotta give me some Cleopas sandals. He's in love with the world and he de- runs away. And these guys make up the Gentile Christians. And Paul's acknowledging something here huge. The Jews and the Greeks, the, the, the Jews who believe in Jesus and the Gentiles who believe in Jesus, they're working together in the power of the gospel to see lives change. And I think we don't understand it or we don't get it in our, in our kind of our time period. You know, what it looks like, how, what the power of Jesus is to actually reconcile people. Jews and Gentiles working side by side by this kind of great gravitational pull in Christ called forgiveness. This would be like the KKK working with Dr. Martin Luther King on the civil rights movement. Like cats and dogs living together. Like cats living with anything, cooperating with any living thing. Okay? It doesn't happen. It didn't happen. But in Jesus, we have these diverse individuals are linking together into this organic whole as they're participating in the various activities and giftings of who God made them to be. There was nothing outside of Jesus making these people work together as a team. Nothing. And then Paul's saying, I can't do this alone. Without your help. Without your help. I I can't do this alone. He's acknowledging that we as people are insufficient. Jesus is sufficient. We and ourselves were insufficient for the task at hand, but together in the grace of God, moving together in the love of Christ, together in the unity and the power of the Spirit, We can accomplish so much as we depend on the Lord. These are the holy ones of God. He's saying, these are my friends. And I look out and I see you guys. We can do so much. You guys are the holy ones of the Lord without blemish, without stain. And and we want to make known the supremacy of Jesus in all things. And so dependence, dependence on God and dependence on one another is part of the very fiber of God's good creation. It's just a myth that we are self-sufficient. It is a fantasy that you can follow God as a lone ranger. It's a myth. When anyone trusts Christ alone for forgiveness of sin and steps down off their own throne and exalts Christ and turns to him, that person is made right before God, but then he is immediately, he or she is immediately included in a covenant community. God always makes covenants, not with individuals, but with groups. And he's made a covenant in the church and with the local church. And we come together in relationship as relational creatures to really flourish as his people, redeemed and reconciled, kind of image bearers of God, reflecting as a whole. Our unity reflects as a whole. God's unity in the Trinity and how much he loves relationship. So Paul's saying, I I need these people. I'm dependent on them. And this mutual dependence of Paul's colleagues, it, it points to their ultimate dependence on God to do something greater than what they can do alone. And then we turn to the last thing that we can see here in this section, indeed in the entire book, is that the message that Jesus is Lord over all is the goal of the team. It's the goal of the church, and it's greater than any individual goal. If you put it in business terms, it would be this. Organizational goals are larger than the goals of any particular individual. When you come together, organizational goals are going to be bigger than any goal of any particular individual. So you pick a company, you know, Ford. Um, 
Plymouth Chrysler Dodge. Right? Right? They're bigger, right? Their goals are bigger than any, you know, than any individual goal. And, you know, very early on at my journey as a Christian, as a Christ follower, came to Christ at 19, through reading scripture and then watching the lives of godly men and women, it became really clear to me that God calls every Christ follower to be connected into a local body, into a church and that that church's goal is always to make disciples together. And I'll say this with as much you know, love and tenderness and respect as I can, but also with just the history of 20 years working on a college campus. And this is it. The work of God in your life will only go as deep. The work of God in your life will only go as deep as you go into a community of faith. That is true. The work of God in your life, it will, it will only go as deep as you go deep into a community of faith. Because the depth of transformation in you is going to be proportional to the depth of community that you share. In community, it isn't about you. It's about us. It centers around a common goal. And, and we've been proclaiming because we want the same goals that God has is that the goal is to make disciples, fully devoted, committed followers of Jesus. And the more you guys individually sell out on being a disciple in community, in Christ-centered community, using your gifts and your talents and being part of gospel proclamation, the more you do that, serving, caring for people, loving people, the more you will become mature, which is Paul's prayer. Epaphras' prayer, laboring, toiling, that you'd be mature, you're going to grow the more you're going to be like Jesus. And all the names that we read and looked at, all those names are remembered because they're worked together, teaming up in this local church organized around this mission directive. It's the mission directive of God, make disciples. It's not the directive of Kevin. It's not Paul. It's not Aristarchus. It's not Luke. God's goal is that we would come together so that more and more people would worship Jesus and be Christ followers. And I've, lo- I've watched a lot of young people say, you know, as their goal, like they want to grow. Like, I want to grow. I want to grow, but they're not really connected. They're not connected into a community that has this overall goal. They think it's all about them. You know, it's God and me. And though they haven't said it, I know over the years, you know, there have been many who have sat here and they've kind of said, hey, Clunky, thanks for writing that message for me. Hey, staff, I'll take more of that. Whatever you have to offer, I'll take. Thanks, Jake, getting up early, setting things up for me. And, and I just, it's rather unfortunate. But my personal experience is that those kind of people who are looking to get something for them, without understanding the bigger goal of what maturity looks like, is that they'll stick around here for a while. But because God always works in covenant relationships and covenant community, he will always be inviting you to go deeper because that's where maturity happens in growth. And so we'll approach these people and say, this is what God wants. Is this what you want? Oh, yeah, this is what I want. Okay, so, so let's grow. Let's go deep. Let's, let's know one another. Let's serve one another. Let's start tithing. Let's start doing the things of God together. And there's this intimate call, but, but, but they don't want it. 
but because it doesn't work with what, what, what they think they need. And we press into areas about accountability. And we're talking about, you know, the tape putting on and putting off and putting on and putting off. That that happens in community. And we're, we're, we're kind of friction. We're loving one another and helping turn one another to, to love Jesus more and more and be on mission together so that we can be transformed to, to be more like Christ. And, 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 and we'll present that to them and, and then they'll, they'll leave. They'll just leave. They don't want it. I tell you, this is exactly what God wants from you. That's what he wants from you. When your goal, when your goals are above God's goals, you will stunt your growth. If any of your goals are above what God's goal is for you, you are going to stunt your growth. So the three things, you know, that I look at that we can learn from this last portion of Colossians is this, that diverse individuals, they come together, they link together into this organic whole, they participate together in gospel expansion, doing various things. They're doing various things. It takes a lot of us and all of our differences, which are good to create a beautiful community. It's, it's unity in the midst of great diversity that's really beautiful. Secondly, Paul acknowledges this human insufficiency alongside the fact that God is sufficient for us when we depend on him. I'm not able, we're not able, but God is able to make grace abound to all of us. And then there's the message that, message that Jesus is Lord over all. He's Lord over all things. He's greater than any individual goal. And it requires the work of the church, the church to kind of come together in unity doing that. And I'll just tell you, this is what, this is what we want more of, right? Because we know when, when, we're, when we're doing this and when you guys have your hand in it, whether here or somewhere else in your life, because most of you are going to go. And we want to bless you when you go so that you can be a part of the bigger goal of God of making disciples. We want more of that that you are going to be sold out in both your life, the way that you represent Christ, and your, and your words. And that's what we want. Working together to see God's great goal of people's hearts is coming alive in Jesus. And we believe that God wants to do a good work in us and through us. And right now I want Kristen to come up because this is... Uh, this is perfect for words. We're looking into the fall about what we want to see God do together as we kind of put our hands together in the fall. And we want to invite you guys to something as we engage in a new class of freshmen that are coming. All right? They're coming. The freshmen will be here. And they're kind of all nervous and scared. And they, they, they kind of, you know, Snapchatting their new roommate probably in May. Right? And all the transfers that are coming. And we just, we want to be able to work together to see more and more people really come to know who King Jesus is. And so here's the plan. And this is, guys, this is the, um, what do you call it, application of the book of Colossians here.